Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according According to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. For the second time in a short space of time, we're going to head across to Tasman where we're going to catch up with a man who really doesn't need not... Uh, a lot of introduction to New Zealand sports fans, but uh, I will anyway because uh, he's been a former New Zealand captain, of course, at cricket. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, post-cricketing life, uh, he has been a CEO of Mainland Soccer, Tasman Rugby, Canterbury Cricket, the Sydney Thunder, and now New South Wales Cricket. I'm talking, of course, of Lee Jamon, a former wicketkeeper batsman as well. Lee, good morning to you. Thanks for your time, mate. Morning, Ian. It's nice to chat to you. Yeah, nice to, to, to catch up with you too, uh, mate. And of course, in your current role uh, with our uh, New South Wales cricket and, of course, around the BBL, etc., you've had some uh, some very exciting news regarding David Warner in the last day or so. Well, it has been good, Smithy, to be able to, to finally announce that David Warner is, is going to play in the Big Bash this year. It's certainly been one of our challenges to get the best players, the best Australian players playing in... Um, yeah, the competition, so great news. Okay, so uh, he's been out of it. I didn't realise it, it had been that long. Nine years. So why has he decided to come back to it? I think a number of reasons. I think he's uh, nearing the end of his you know, his career. Um, he's got a young family who I think have always wanted to see him play more locally and domestically. Uh, we're nearing the end of a media rights deal here in Australia. Um, and I think it's important that he plays to lift the value of the big bash and he sees an opportunity to provide an opportunity for players beyond him. So I think a number of things are sort of aligned smoothly to get David back into the fold. Is he an easy guy to deal with? I mean, you know, to be honest, uh, Lee, sitting back from the New Zealand side of things, we, we kind of assume that David Warner's a bit of a difficult character. He sort of rubs people up the wrong way, has done over a, a, a fair period of time. But what about a bloke to deal with? How do those negotiations go? He's been very good, and I think this is... Um, it reminds me of Shane Watson a bit. Uh, <laughs> I always remember my son... Um, Shane Watson was probably my son's most disliked cricketer <laughs> because he always <laughs> uh, reviewed every decision when he was given out on the field and, and seemed to play uh, without enjoying it a lot until my son had the opportunity to speak to Shane for about half an hour and realised he's actually a very good guy. So I think David Warner is in a similar camp. Yes, he's obviously um, let himself down majorly over the last couple of years with the sandpaper gate. Um, we all make mistakes. But he is a family man, and he's been um, you know, very forthcoming in terms of wanting to play this year. He's been easy for us to deal with, and um, you know, I think, like a lot of top sports people, can sometimes be you know, sort of a, a, a little misrepresented. So, no, he's been great to deal with. 
because of uh, his involvement in Sandpaper Gate, as uh, she labelled it, of course he has been denied any official leadership type capacity by Cricket Australia. Um, do, do you see that changing? Or would you be interested in leadership for, of the Thunder, etc., or maybe New South Wales at some point for David Warner? Well, he's definitely a leader. The, the current situation uh, is that the leadership ban is still in place from Cricket Australia. And over the last couple of days, Cricket Australia board have signalled that they're prepared to sit down and meet with David and talk to him, um, probably specifically about that, that issue. Uh, Trevor Bayliss is the coach of our Sydney Thunder team. Um, him and David have a very good relationship. I know he sees David as a, as a real leader. Um, Sydney Thunder also have a couple of really good young captains, Jason Sanger and Chris Green. Um, so he'd definitely be an option, Smithy, if he was if he was sort of in the mix. But at the moment, we can't consider him because of that ban. Well, Lee, uh, obviously the, the BBL is uh, the big ticket item during this particular cricketing period of the year. But now, of course, uh, the UAE League have announced um, uh, that they're going to be very much in the market from January onwards, I think January to mid-February. Uh, so how how do you have now have to change from your point of view, putting franchises together, etc.? How aggressive now do you have to be with the UAE floating around? Yeah, it's not only the UAE. We're seeing a rapidly changing cricket global landscape. And I think within the space of nine months, we're going to see nine or ten international or global T20 leagues, many of whom will have IPL backing or representation. Um, so I think we've seen, in some ways, a tipping point for our game and our sport. Um, in terms of going up against the UAE, we also, from a big bash perspective, are going up against the South African League that has pretty significant private backing. The UAE mm. is, um, I think, four of the six clubs are owned by IPL clubs. One is owned by the Glazer family, who own Manchester United and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, so, so this year, the Dave Warner deal is an example, really, where you know this year we've had to really changed the way in which we've gone about our contracting of players to make it attractive. So you'll see we've got a draft for the very first time happening this weekend. We've got international players who have made themselves available for half the competition but are getting paid twice as much as last year. So it's a very competitive landscape and one that I think is not sustainable, Smithy, both internationally and domestically. Okay then, Lee. Uh, so can, uh, for those of us who um, are uninitiated, can you explain uh, how this draft is going to work first up and can you also tell us a, a wee bit about a salary cap uh, type structure around a franchise like the Thunder? Yeah, sure. Um, let, let me start with the, the salary cap. So the salary cap for each of the big best clubs is eight big best clubs. Pretty New South Wales if you, essentially owns a licence to two of them, Sydney Thunder and Sydney Sixers, which have to operate separately, although they're under our banner. Um, the salary cap is, uh, is around about $2 million, and from a male perspective, we need to sign 18 players um, in, in that $2 million mix. What's happened this year is that uh, Cricket Australia have come to the party and topped up um, a number of what they're calling key international players, so we will have to pay some of it out of our salary cap, but Cricket Australia will top it up, and that's why you see there's about a 1,000 platinum players that will be guaranteed $340,000, no matter how many games they play in the Big Bash. They could play two if a club decides they're that important, or there's a couple of them that are here for the whole season. So from the club's or franchise's perspective, we need to manage that salary cap in that way. Um, and then um, from um, in terms of the draft, which is happening this weekend, 
international players have put themselves forward. There's over 300 international players put themselves into the draft. There was a lottery to decide which big, which order the Big Bash clubs were p- uh, picked from. Um, I think the Sydney Sixers are fourth and the Sydney Thunder are seventh. Uh, and you get a pick of those players. So if you're number one pick, I think it, Stars will be number one because they finished last last year. Um, they they get to choose. They have the first first choice, a bit like the NBA, uh, sorry, NBA draft. They get the first choice. And then we work our way through. Um, and there are platinum, gold and silver at different levels of uh, remuneration for the players. And a uh, club can choose up to three international players. So that essentially is how it's going to work. You also certainly have a matching opportunity. So for the Thunder, someone like Alex Hales, sorry, Sam Billings, who's in the platinum list, mm. he might he might be um, picked up by another club for $340,000. But Sydney Thunder have the right to then match that. If they want Sam Billings, they'll choose Sam Billings and he'll go to, Sam, uh, he'll go to Thunder instead of the original club. Lee, uh, you mentioned the figure of $2 million, and a lot of people will say, wow, $2 million, and I, I go across to IPL money, and I think, good God, didn't Kyle Jamieson get more than that by himself? Uh, do you think that, that, you know, and I just logistically think to myself, uh, are you going to have to lift that at some point to remain competitive? Absolutely. <laughs> and um, you're dead right. I mean, $2 million, one player's getting that in the IPL. Um, the average salary for a big bash cricketer is is probably a hundred and forty thousand, hundred and fifty. Which, you know, I know certainly many people will look at and say, "Well, it's for what eight weeks, ten weeks. That's pretty good." Mm. But comparatively around the world, it's it's not. Um, and that's why there's a lot of talk at the moment here around um, whether there's a place for private equity in the Australian game. How do we raise the player payments, not only for international cricketers but domestic cricketers, to get our best players? playing Big Bash and to ensure that the Big Bash retains its relevancy. It's still the highest per match viewed sports league in Australia, but it's struggling to compete on the international stage with other cricket competitions. Well, the other thing uh, that you've got to consider too uh, with, with the New South Wales, I mean, you've, you've got a side that could uh, basically at full strength, uh, both men and women, actually take on the world in their, in their own uh, entity. You're that damn powerful, but uh, of course, these guys have got to rest. They've got to have uh, uh, they've got to have some downtime, some family time. That is part and parcel of the deal these days, uh, Lisa. How do you manufacture someone like a Stark, uh, someone like a, a Pat Cummins, a Hazelwood? These guys who are so bigger assets to you in terms of uh, drawing fans as well. Yeah, that's a very good question. So this year in the Big Bash, yeah, I, I met with Pat Cummins yesterday around this um, specific topic. This year in the Big Bash. It's unlikely we're going to see Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood, Josh Hazelwood being currently the number one T20 bowler in the world, um, play in the Big Bash because of their international workload. Um, and, and a lot of people say, oh, yes, but they won't rest from IPL. Well, in actual fact, Mitchell Stark, I don't think, has played IPL for the last two or three years and has probably turned down a lot of money um, to do that. So it, it is a balancing act, and that's why I just don't think it's sustainable, Smithy, in terms of the packed future tours program from an international perspective and the money making opportunities that players are having in T20 leagues and if we don't I think the players will start out more and more from certain things whether it's some international cricket and we certainly don't want to jeopardise test cricket um, or from playing um, in some of these T20 well, without Mitchell Stark, I, I guess you might need a left armour. And there's a fellow by the name of Trent Bolt in the market now. Any any inklings there? 
lot of interest when Trent's name came off the list. Uh, a lot of interest from our uh, particular list managers. So we have list managers for each club. Um, Lisa Stalaker, actually, who you'll probably know pretty well, is the list manager for the Sixers. And, um, and we have uh, Tim Krugshank here for the guys. So, yeah, Trent has created a lot of interest, I think, for all clubs. And uh, he will, he'll be very quickly snapped up in the draft. And, and, you know, it's awesome to see him. And I'd love to see a way in which we can have more of the top New Zealand players actually available um, for the Big Bash. And I'd love to see if New Zealand Cricket and Cricket Australia could work closely together to really you know, lift the profile of the sport over in New Zealand and here. Well, well that's the thing. And you, you raise a very good point there because there are a number of uh, high-profile New Zealand uh, T20 players. I mean, let's not forget New Zealand were beaten by Australia in the final, the World Cup. Uh, they're a good side, New Zealand, with some hell of a good players who are consigned at that time of the year to uh, the Super Smash League here, Lee, which pays for your groceries, basically. So, I mean, how do you work around that as an individual but still want to play test cricket and play for your country? Yeah, and that, that's, that's almost symptomatic of the challenges that cricket faces. And I think New Zealand cricket, because of its size, is going to be um, even more significantly hit than some of our other cricket-playing nations around the world. Um, so that's why you know, we, we um, for example, looked at bringing a Sydney Sixers game over to New Zealand this summer but couldn't quite get there. Um, we'd love to be working with New Zealand cricket and the States to see how we can get the best players playing. I'd love, for example, to see... It might, it might be a New Zealand team or two New Zealand teams in our competition, um, Ian, but I'd love to see how we could potentially make that happen. Uh, I, I mean, I think it just has to, Lee, from, from uh, our point of view, because uh, we just can't compete. Uh, we can't compete. We, we, we've got excellence, but we just can't uh, compete with it financially if you look at those numbers. What about the women's side of it? Uh, you've got a, a, an amazingly successful national women's cricket team. Uh, the profile and the women's big bash, etc. How, how does that apply in, in, in terms of uh, alongside the men? How's that looking? The WBBL is, in some ways, um, the jewel in our crown. Um, it's, it's the opportunity for us to really um, grow significantly. Um, so it's the fourth highest viewed sports league in Australia on TV, which is amazing. So it's above, you know, um, A-League football. It's above the NBL basketball. It's standalone, the fourth highest viewed league. Um, and it's got the opportunity to really uh, go further. So um, the WBBL, now also with the women's IPL on the window, um, has the opportunity to really cement itself as a preeminent women's competition. So we've got two clubs, obviously, Thunder and Sixers in that. Uh, the, the, the remuneration has raised over the last year, but there will be more and more, and rightly so, pressure for pay parity in terms of our uh, women cricketers who are some of the best in the world. Um, and we see it as a wonderful opportunity to promote the game to young girls to play the sport. But more than that, we're seeing young boys and girls being on the boundary signing up for autographs for Alyssa Healy and Elise Perry and players like this. So uh, that's certainly an area that we are focusing on to grow, to grow significantly, both for the participation of the sport, but also in terms of worldwide and the profile of our cricketers. Lee, um, on, this, on the basis of what we've been just talking about for the last 15 minutes, I, I've got to ask you an overriding question because you've been a very proud test, a very proud test cricketer yourself, an achiever in the, at that level, a captain, etc. Do you fear for test cricket? Uh, 
I don't um, fear for it at the moment because I think at the moment our current crop of players understand what Test cricket stands for and how special it is. Yeah, and you talk to the, the Pat Cummins of this world and they want to play Test cricket. They understand its value. My fear is that the crop of players coming through, and it's probably more than 15 to 18-year-olds and younger, uh, will be coming into an environment where they'll see the riches of T20 cricket appealing to them, not really understanding the, you know, the, the proud history and sanctity of Test cricket. So I think at the moment it's relatively safe, Ian, but I do fear somewhat for its future, and I see it being, paid by, being played by less and uh, fewer and fewer countries as well around the world, but we've got to fight tooth and nail to retain Test cricket, and uh, for me, if Test cricket was the only form of international cricket played and the rest was played in world events, um, I'd be very happy with that. Lee Jamon, absolutely brilliant to catch up with you. Uh, glad to hear that things are going well over there, and uh, look forward to the outcome of your first uh, ever auction in the BBL. Should be fun anyway. Thanks for your time, Lee. Pleasure, Ian. Thank you. Yeah, cheers, uh, Lee Jamon, who, uh, of course, had a proud history of sport administration and playing within New Zealand, and now, of course, a uh, very big factor uh, in New South Wales cricket, which is the uh, blue ribbon state of cricket. If you look at their, uh, the makeup of uh, their Sheffield Shield team, their, uh, their various uh, franchises, um, you know, they are the big boys, and uh, Lee Jamon is uh, the administrator uh, running the cutter. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.